We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, placing the table. This is Football Sunday on the Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Oh, wow. Hearing that open again is strange. That's old school. Well, it is old school, but it also means it's football season. And it's weird. I I said this a couple weeks ago. I was not ready in the slightest for football season to start. But the second it started, I was all in. Oh, I was incredibly ready. I, I couldn't wait for it to start. I knew... Last week, exactly what I'd be doing at 9 a.m., and I obliged, and I did exactly that. Well, it, didn't, it wasn't even yesterday. It was Thursday. Thursday was the first day of week one. Now, granted, I did not watch week zero because I didn't care about Wyoming playing Hawaii or whoever they were playing. But the Northwestern-Purdue game, ESPN Thursday, 5 o'clock, I was roped into that one, and I, I had no expectation of watching that game. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll turn it on. It's football, and then I'll probably go watch the Food Network or something. No, I didn't watch any of that game either. And I was totally sucked in. It was a great game, and it was this is the first year, probably if forever, where I kind of went, I'm not ready for football yet because the, the Yankees are in a playoff hunt. I've been watching a lot of baseball. I just wasn't ready yet. And then the second it hit, I was like, nope, ready. Let's go. I'm no. ready. I'm, I'm ready to go right now. No, I was ready for base for excuse me for football. Oh, in wait, March. no, you were ready for baseball oh, in no. March. Look Chill. at that, attaboy. boy. Chill. It's early. No, I was ready for football back in March. You know, and the NFL has gotten very good about not going away. You know, typically they used to, you know, kind of dip out. You know, right until the draft, and then they kind of come back. But now the NFL has become a year-round sport. So. I was ready for some actual football, so I was happy the college kind of kicked off, really kicked off this, you know, this past Saturday. Well, we're going to talk a lot about college football coming up on the show today as uh, we are Football Sunday, and we do tend to focus pretty heavily on the NFL once the NFL season starts, which is this week, by the way. Woo! Um, get your fantasy football drafts done. Get your fantasy teams ready to go because they start on Thursday, and next week is going to be our first fantasy scramble segment, which is always one of my favorite times of the year when we uh, give you guys advice for your fantasy teams going into every single week. But I want to get really, really deep divey on college football because there was a lot of good games, a lot of big important games yesterday. Obviously, the, the Ducks and Beavs both played. You had the big nationally televised big game of the week, Chick-fil-A kickoff special, Washington-Auburn, and everyone was really, really, really wanting Washington to win, even some Duck fans, because of the perception of the Pac-12 nationally after their really poor performance in bowl games last year. 
and uh, they lost. Not a bad game, but they lost. Washington did. So I want to talk about that. We got Michigan-Notre Dame happened last night. Alabama started Tua, and he was amazing. All sorts of stuff to get to uh, on the show today. But I do want to start. And, you know, sometimes in this first segment, we kind of banter a little bit. We do some fun stuff. I kind of just want to go. You just want to start? Yeah, that's cool. So text us, Better You Today text line, 55305. Tweet at us, at 1080thefan, at MikeLynch27, at TaylorMade503 as Rashad, and Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Uh, he'll be still still be doing Hater Love It coming up at 1030 today. Um, but I want to start with Oregon State after last night's game, uh, or yesterday morning's game, not last night's game, um, where, yes, yes, they did lose badly. By a lot, yes. 77 to 31. Yes, they did not cover the spread, despite the fact that many thought that a 39 or 40-point spread was ridiculous and that they would likely cover it. They did not. And yes, they got absolutely shredded defensively by Ohio State's offense. But for a team that lost its starting quarterback on, like, the second play of the game and had to bring in Connor Blount, the fact that they put up 31 points on Ohio State's defense and had a great performance from Martavis Pierce, the running back, and had a great performance from Trevon Bradford, the wide receiver. There's a little bit of a, a little positives coming out of this game that, that kind of made me excited for Beaver fans yesterday. Yeah, you lost by a lot. You were expecting to lose by a lot, but you didn't lose 70 to nothing. You scored a lot of points, and you were, you were able to move down the field in an Ohio State defense that's very, very good. And that, to me, and coached by Greg Schiano and – Alex Grinch, former Washington State defensive coordinator, mind you. And that, to me, is really impressive. I was it's, – it's crazy that you can say a team could go out there and lose by 46 points and still be like, huh, you know what? I think they, that was still kind of okay, you know, for them. I, I was really impressed with what I saw from Oregon State, at least offensively. Defensively, still some things to work on. But for the most part, man, I'm looking at – Ohio State's um, schedule from last year and all of their home games. And really, you know the team that scored the most? It was it was Penn State in the horseshoe. You know, outside of that, man, there's nobody that comes in there and puts up 31 points. The first game of the season, this Oregon State offense, who nobody had any type of faith in at all, goes into the horseshoe and makes the game look not look awful. Now, mind you, still got blown out by by 40. But nobody expected anything from Oregon State's offense. We didn't even know what to say about them. Like, outside of, well, they could be starting Luton. They probably should because he's been there. But that's really the only thing that we've been able to say about Oregon. We don't know anything about what they've been able to do. And to see them come out there, and that, especially during the first quarter, and drive the ball down the field as fast as they did to put up six points. And then you look at somebody like Trevon Bradford. Hey, man, all of a sudden, Oregon State looks like they – could be okay offensively? Well, we'll see. Um, I would like to say yes and agree with you because you'd like to be able to take anything you see on the field and, and have it extrapolated throughout the rest of the season. But as we all, all know all too well, that week one of the season is not the best indicator of how your team's going to play. Just ask Michigan State and Penn State, who almost lost this weekend, to Utah State and App State, respectively. Both won. Did not look good, either of them, although offensively they scored plenty of points. You don't want that to be the thing that extrapolates the rest of the year. Obviously, things are going to change. But what I will say is, you're right, we knew nothing about the Somfets coming in. 
We didn't know who the quarterback was going to be until like two weeks ago. And we honestly didn't know how Luton was going to play because he had such a serious injury last year, a spinal injury. And he gets hurt immediately, and you bring in Blount, who you know didn't play very well last year, and you're like, oh, God, here comes here comes the absolute blown to smithereens effect. And he played well. And this is one of his quotes. He said, obviously, falling short isn't fun, but when you go out and put 31 points in a defense like that, I think it says there's a bright future here, end quote. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now is – you put up 31 points in Ohio State, Ohio bleeping state, and all the stuff that went on there. And you were you were doing that in a high-pressure environment for multiple reasons, A, on the road, but also because of the whole Urban Meyer stuff that's been happening. You were on not just national TV, but like every single TV in America got your game because you're on ABC. And... You didn't. You just didn't lay down. You kept fighting. You kept scoring points. You, you know, you were not in the game after a while, but you you kept putting points up on the board. And Jonathan Smith said, "There's a lot of things to learn from and to be encouraged by. We're in the position to make some plays, and we didn't tackle that well." So, well, yeah, they did not tackle very well. <laughs> I think you're going to see that as a trend a lot through uh, the first week of college football. They they let a lot of easy touchdowns go in because they just missed four tackles, uh, especially near the goal line. There was a couple that Ohio State had where the guy caught it at the seven and just basically shook off all the defenders as they tried to make arm tackles on them. So that's something they got to work on, obviously, but and Ohio look, there's, State, there's, there's positives. And sure. Ohio state is full of NFL talent yep. on both sides of the ball. You know, you saw Dwayne Haskins, a guy come in for Ohio state yesterday that seemingly none of us had really heard of, you know, this is his first actual start for the Buckeyes and he was all world, you know, 22 for 30. Then you look at a guy like Nick Bosa, you know, from this Ohio State defense, who is probably going to be a top three, top five pick in this year's draft. And yet still you had a running back with 11 carries for 168 yards and two touchdowns. You had Connor Blunt come in 12 for 19 against this Ohio State defense. 12 for 19, two touchdowns, no picks through the air. You know, like granted, quarterback rating was 44.9, but he was still able to – really be in the game and not make a lot of mistakes against a defense that is probably going to force you into mistakes. Well, they didn't throw any picks, so they didn't make any massive mistakes. And, and let's be honest, man. There's not a team on Oregon State's schedule that's even considered to go to the national championship. Not one. Well, outside of Ohio State. Well, outside and Ohio, Ohio State is the only one. They're not going to have to play um, Nick Bosa well, and, and Washington. Haskins again. They got Washington. I mean, Washington, yeah, but after last night, probably not, you know, anymore. We'll see. But I'm, I'm – I just, I'm just saying, looking at their schedule, they're not going to have to play anything like Ohio State for the rest of the season. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, do you think yesterday's game, and this is for the text line as well, text us at the Better You Today text line at 55305. Do you think yesterday's game is enough to change the expectations of this year's Beaver season? Their over-under for wins was two and a half. Remember that, two and a half. Was yesterday's game enough, or do you still think it's going to be a really rough year just looking better than you thought? Text the Better You Today text line 55305. That's next. This is Football Sunday on 10 of the Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 
That's much better. I had to turn the headphone jack down to almost zero. For some reason, when we got in here, the headphone volume, even though it said it was at one out of ten, was just blasting our I, ears off. I thought it was just intense because it's football. I was like, <laughs> okay, well, get you jacked. I'm like, all right, that's cool. No, it's uh, making me deaf. So I am now almost at zero on the volume level, and it is just right. So wait, wait, you're a death metal guy. Mm-hmm. How loud do you listen to it? Not super your... loud. Really? Well, look, to be... I feel like you can't have death metal on like a moderate... To be transparent, I have a little tinnitus, so I'm trying to protect my ears from getting worse. Probably uh, the worst genre of music to... Well, but I don't listen to it that loud. You know what I mean? I used to, and it, I, my tinnitus is not from inner ear damage. It's somewhere in my neck, but it causes ringing, and I just don't want to mess with it. So I just don't want to listen to music that loud because I don't want to hurt my ears any more than I feel like they are. And I had like... 10 ear infections per year as a kid. Every year I had ear infections, so they're already kind of messed up. So I just got to protect them. That's all. So super loud talking about football. Not great for my ears, especially because hmm. the one ear isn't working right now for some reason. So, hmm. we're, we're, you know, our whole studio is just great. Just totally, totally brand new. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. It never works. Um, so question I asked before the break, in text the Better You Today text line to 55305. After yesterday's loss, and yes, it was a big loss, and yes, you gave up 77 points if you're Oregon State, do you, as a Beaver fan or as a non-Beaver fan, change your expectations for the rest of the season? The over-under for wins was just two and a half. Do you think they could win more games than you thought before yesterday's game started? Are you more encouraged about the rest of the season coming up uh, after watching the loss to Ohio State yesterday? The answer for me is yes. I was already kind of leaning towards they were going to be better than people thought anyway. I think I said over two and a half when I was asked the question um, earlier this offseason. But to me, if you can score points on Ohio State, you can score points on anybody. And, yeah, your defense looked really bad. But your biggest group of experience is your offensive line. As bad as as it has been the last couple of years, they are now almost all juniors and seniors. They have experience. That means that, to me, that's super important, just having the experienced guys there who can at least know what on earth is happening. They've had so many freshmen for so many years that that were playing offensive line, and so many injuries, too, granted. And that is one thing I think is going to help them a lot throughout the season, especially running the ball, and we saw that yesterday with Pierce, although the 80-yard run that he had kind of helped boost his numbers. But still, you know, good game for him. I think that's going to help them win some games that offense i mean they go on and they play who uh southern utah next and that to me should be a a win after after how yesterday's game played out you know it's not you're not worried about that they play at nevada you know maybe that game's closer than people thought in the beginning maybe that's a sneaky win and then all of a sudden you got two wins and maybe you can steal one in the pac-12 and you're already doing better than most people thought you were so yeah, to me, I think yesterday's game is is just encouraging for them being better this year. Uh, I'm, I was, I've been very encouraged by what I saw yesterday from Oregon State. I even put it on my my Facebook. It's like, man, I know they're getting waxed, but I like what I'm seeing from this Oregon State team. I mean, Ohio State is one of those teams that they've been pegged to win the national championship. I mean, there's one other team in the Pac-12 that they can say is close, and that's UW, and they lost yesterday. So as far as you know, national championship contenders like Ohio State is probably going to be in that conversation. So am I 
nervous about the Beavers going and play Southern Utah at home? No. Does it make me nervous for them to go to uh, Nevada and play the Wolfpack? No, not really. Like those are those are teams that are nowhere near as talented as the one we saw for uh, in Ohio State, and they put up 31 points. Their their passing game looked really good through the air. Your quarterback didn't throw an interception. You know, you had a running back that was able to break for an uh, an 80 yard run, and then uh, average about five yards a carry after that. Like so, you there were some things that you did that were. Incredibly awesome. Nevada, Arizona, Arizona State, Washington State, which are their next few games, they don't have the athletes that Ohio State has. They might have one or two, absolutely, but Ohio State has 11 on each side of the ball. And no other school that the Ducks, or excuse me, that the Beavers are going to play have anything like that up until they play USC, and that game will be at home. You know what I mean? And then they play Stanford on the road. So their last four games of the season, by that time, they could have won four and five games. So I, I think I've my mind has changed a little bit so far on the Beavs. Uh, this game against Southern Utah, as far as how many points they put up, will kind of start telling us what they look like offensively or what they're going to be like offensively. But. It is hard to take away from an FCS opponent, though. Yeah, but maybe for the Beavs, who who he didn't expect much from, maybe maybe it is important to take something away from that offensively, especially. I think defensively, it's going to be important to see if Ohio State's offense was just that good, or Oregon State's defense is also just that bad. I don't know which is which because we obviously know the talent in Ohio State's amazing, so especially offensively. So I want to see maybe against Nevada is a, is a better test because Nevada's been able to put up some points so far this year. Did you see what they did to Portland State? I mean, they but murdered to, them. But to be fair, you know, lots of teams do that to Portland State. That's you know, true. When they when they play against them, and this is no disrespect to the to the Vikings, but again, you're talking about talent. Well, the, the Vikings the, have not been good, for and a while. The, the the talent on the Portland State Vikings isn't the same as Oregon, Oregon State, or Nevada for that matter. So I, I, I do think it's gonna it's gonna bode better for the upcoming Beaver season. Here's the text on the better you today text line five five three zero five. Uh didn't see the game was at work, but it looks like Nevada scores a lot themselves. Not sure that's a win for Oregon State. No, you're right. I don't think it's a necessarily a win. I'm just saying now that game looks like it could be more interesting than we all thought. Seriously we all thought Oregon State was going to win one or two games this year at max, right? They had very little talent, new head coach. He has to recover from how bad at the end the recruiting got at the Gary Anderson era and all those coaches who were just not very good at recruiting. He has to recover, and that's not it's going to, not going to be an instant thing. It's going to take a while. So we all thought generally it'd be a pretty crappy season for Oregon State, and it still likely will be a pretty crappy season, but – if what Rashad is saying is right, or if maybe even if it's just three or four wins, that just it just makes you feel better. Yeah. It's weird to say, but it just makes you feel better. I mean, because the expectation for the Beavs is just to be what they've been over the past few years, which is terrible. Yeah. And so two wins sounds about right for a lot of people for terrible teams. And so it's it, is it unfathomable to believe that they can win four games? No, I don't think so. Do I think they're going to win the Pac-12? Absolutely no. But to see the fight that they put out there in the horseshoe against a team that's really going, like you said, man, lost their head coach, you know, at least for for three games. It's a whole different – that's a whole different Rashad Rance right there. But they still went out there and played with a, 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 a you know, first-time starting quarterback and went out there and played Ohio State football and put up big numbers. And so Oregon State showed me a lot of heart because they could have just easily laid down and said, there's no way we're going to win this game and just kind of forget it. But they didn't. 
And really offensively, they didn't make a lot of mistakes. And I think that's the part for me, outside of not being able to to block this big Ohio State defensive line, you know, and uh, for Nick Bosa had two sacks of the five that they had in the first half. So outside of that part, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at very many mistakes offensively for the Beavs. This text says, still going to be rough. Anyone who's played a sport can relate. When you know you're playing an inferior opponent, you do not have your A game or focus when you play an opponent uh, or like you do when you play an opponent of similar caliber. Some of the TDs were on second string, not to take anything away from the score. It was much better than 77 to 10. Yeah, no, you're right. And that is likely what happened near the end of the game for, for Ohio State's defense. But I'm just talking about from watching the game, you got a different vibe than that. You got a little bit of a... Oregon State can move the ball on this team, even on the first string. Mm-hmm. We can move the ball on this team. And, we can find gaps on this team. When they tied at 7-7 early in the game, it was like, whoa. And let's Look be, at that. They're not just going to lay down. And let's be completely 100. Man, Ohio State's second string is probably better than most of the Pac-12's full starting roster. And that's just kind of being, especially defensively, that's just being honest. Like they're, We all know the Pac-12 is not full of defensive juggernauts. Maybe Stanford, maybe in, and maybe UW. Outside of that, you know, we'll kind of see. So for them to go out there against even the second team, which is going probably full of NFL talent, they still were able to move that ball up and down the field. This for text, a few touchdowns, not just one or two. Yeah, for a couple. This text says, I was always at five to six games based on the excitement and uh, attitude of Jonathan Smith. Well, that's, you know. You can feel that way. I think that's a little bit over your skis a little bit, but uh, maybe in a year or two, that could be where Jonathan Smith takes the team is you want to get them back to a bowl game. But uh, hey, you can be excited to be ever fan. That's totally okay. It's acceptable. I just, I, I am, I'm, I'm just pleased with how the game went yesterday for how bad it was. It left me with more of a positive vibe than a negative vibe for the Beavers. That's all. And I, I was ready to be negative about it too. I was ready to be like, whoa. It's going to be a bad season. No, I, I thought it was going to be a bad game, especially after the first um, Ohio State, you know, turnover and touchdown. I was like, okay, this could be a, a bad game for the Bees. But they just they didn't stop fighting. And that's the one thing we saw a lot from this Beaver team over the past couple of years is they just kind of oh, forget it. We've lost, and let's just, let's just try to finish the game. Like there was no let's try to finish the game mentality. It was let's go out there and put another one on the board. Let's see if we can do that. I forgot to tease this, but we're going to talk about this at some point. Uh, on the show, the worst trade I've ever seen in the NFL. Oh my gosh! Happened this weekend, and it makes absolutely zero sense. Full re, it makes tons of sense for for him. Full rebuild mode, which is the silliest thing ever. Yes, it is the dumbest trade I have ever seen, and we'll talk about that at some point. But coming up next, let's get into Oregon's win over Bowling Green. But first, Jesse S. Sports Center. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. And the only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Well... It's not the fantasy scramble, but... But but this brings up a a, a nice point of conversation for me. So thank you for playing that intro, Jesse, because it needs to be changed because that was all of... That was like two years ago. Yeah, and since then, 
I've been pretty good at fantasy. My guys haven't been hurt, and I've been right in that championship mix and championship scramble. So, hey Jesse, you want to clip that section for me, and I can put him saying that instead of my team is hurt. Oh yeah, yeah, we could. You want to do that instead? I've been in the championship picture the last few years. Yeah, Hashtag I like it. Humble brag. Humble brag. Yeah, give myself the Barry Horowitz the pat on the back over here. There uh, you go. All I gotta say, just to just let y'all know, it, it's it's football. Sunday and and we always play the the fancy segment at nine thirty because that's games all good. Kick off at ten, so well that's why week. that was there. Next I, week, I mean, what we? I mean, it's funny you say that because I literally just pulled up my fantasy team just to see if any any points have have changed, any projections have have changed for from the past couple days. You know, so well, they just, definitely have. Like sure. the projections they, have definitely changed. The early since projections the cuts are down always, to fifty-three man roster. They're always wildly wrong. Yes. And, and to be fair, yes. I'm looking at my team and pretty sure I'm gonna win. Just saying, as far as this uh, our our ten eighty league, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna win this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like ninety-seven percent right. sure. Okay. Right. Well, fantasy scramble will be next week at nine thirty, but we got to get into the Oregon Ducks win over Bowling Green yesterday. 58 to 24, the final score. Justin Herbert amounts for six touchdowns by himself, five passing, one rushing, which is a Oregon record for week one of the season. Uh, did throw two interceptions. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, Oregon did not look quite as dominant as I think a lot of Duck fans wanted. They were down 10 nothing early in the game. They had a lot of dropped passes early in the game. And then at the end of the game, they were very lackadaisical and did not seem like they were trying super hard to to continue to push and win. Now, the middle two quarters were great. They scored 44 points in the second and the third quarter. And that was the Oregon Ducks offense you think you're going to see most of the season. But early and late, not so great. And I think that's where most Duck fans are probably a little bit frustrated. They're happy they won, obviously. They're happy they won big, obviously. But I've seen some frustration of how on earth are we down 10 nothing to to Bowling Green early on Twitter. I saw that and stuff like that. It's just it's it's not exactly what you want to see. As Joe Girardi would say, it's not what you want. No, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely not what you want to see. Uh, however, this is how you want to respond. And I think that's the better thing. You know, when you have a team um, that's relatively, you know, Oregon is young, you know, so probably not used to being in this position as as far as being a, a, a ranked team, at least at this point. And so for them to go out there and be down early in the game and respond and come back and really blow the team out of the water, I think that says a lot. You know, it's easy to get down and just think, okay, you kind of start panicking and playing kind of hero football. And that didn't really happen until towards the end of the game, and that's when Herbert threw those couple of, of picks, which were tip passes. So, Well, one of them was tipped. One of them was a, a route mistake from one of the receivers but he was actually taken out of the game and they put Burmeister in because the they were winning so by so much and then and then Bowling Green scored a huge touchdown and they put Herbert back into the game and then Burmeister went one for five and they said okay Justin go ahead and go back in the game before we we lose this thing yeah this I'm gonna once we finish this point I want to give a bravo to Oregon for making that decision quickly because my team didn't and it almost cost us our first game of the season but I'll get to that in a second but but yeah so outside of those two picks which I think were I mean they're bad obviously you don't want to throw two picks against a team like Bowling Green if you're a guy like Justin Herbert 
They weren't all on him. Um, and the bad thing for me was you didn't show up to play right away. In week one at home against an easy opponent, it took you to get down to kind of wake you up a little bit. That's not great in my opinion. And the other thing was the defense, although you love Jim Levitt and you love the improvement they've made, you still are going to have a little bit of growing pains. you got a lot of young guys on the defense kind of making some important starts now or guys who haven't been as involved yet. Um, it's not all Troy Dyes and Jalen Jelks out there. There's other guys out there who need to prove themselves. And I think you're still going to see some growing pains from the defense because you had plenty last year, and I still think we're not fully there back to where Oregon's defense has been when they were under Nick Aliotti. The one thing you can't do if you're Oregon's defense is you can't give these schools like Bowling Green uh, big play opportunities. Like It seems like every year they play someone that's really beneath them as far as talent. For whatever reason, that quarterback or that running back just has a, a, a crazy game. Yesterday, Jarrett Doig, I'm not even sure if I'm saying his name right. I think right. it's Daigie. Daigie? Yeah. Well, uh, 22 for 38, 256 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, two interceptions, but was still able to move the ball pretty effortlessly. Well, hey, two picks, that's good air. for yeah two, yeah, two picks is good. But then Andrew Clare had 25, you know, rushes for 113 yards. You know, so you can't let those type of things happen because when you do play uh, the Stanfords and the USC's, man, they have athletes at those positions that are really going to hurt you. So you got to figure those things out really fast. It seems like there's a big problem tackling in the open field just for Pac-12 play, and just in general, outside of maybe UW and Stanford and USC. Like there aren't a lot of teams that tackle really, really well, especially once you get into open territory. And that's where they kind of have to wrap that up because that's the reason you give an Andrew Clare 113 yards rushing. Well, let me tell you this: um, the one anecdote I was going to say is bravo for Oregon for making that decision quickly to bring Herbert back in. He wasn't at his best yesterday with the at least completion percentage, but they took him out of the game, and Burmeister goes one for five. He's awful, right? They bring him back in instantly. My team, Syracuse, on Friday night was up 34-7 to seven at the end of the second quarter over Western Michigan, blowing him out, right? Dun Eric Dungy, local kid, playing really, really well. They pulled Dungy for their backup, who is a – I want to say a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. And I think it was partially precautionary. Dungy slightly hurt his shoulder when he got when he got hit, and they were just wanting to protect him. The freshman was not very good. And Western Michigan came back to within 34-28 when Syracuse decided to put Dungy back in. They waited three full touchdowns without scoring to put him back in, and then Syracuse won 55-42 after putting Dungy back in. So good job, Oregon, not letting it get that close. Actually thinking and putting your quarterback in, don't do what uh, Dino Babers did. Just wanted to throw that out there. For, Isn't that crazy? They let it get that close before putting Dungy back in? That's that's absolutely ridiculous. Because At first, Eric Dungy, so good. He was so much fun to watch in high school. And it, You see he set the ACC record for rushing yards for a quarterback in a game? I am not at all surprised. That he, kid more is, than Lamar Jackson. He ran that's for, saying, I'm going to say Lamar Jackson – uh, Sean Watson, you know, some pretty good player players in the uh, Donovan McNabb, you know, well, some that was pretty, big East at the well, time, but yeah, yeah, I guess Eric, so, Eric Dungy, 15 carries, 200 yards on the ground no, as a quarterback. That kid's a freak, Michael like, Vick. he was so much fun to watch in high school. I got to see him about four or five times. Um, 
it, it, he was electric. And so you see you his get stiff it, arm, dude. Look up his stiff arm from the game. Do it right now, Rashad. Okay, stop being distracted. Sorry. <laughs> Lots of runners and, and walkers, huh? You know, yeah, it's very distracting. I understand. It's not distracting. I just I wish that you would have you would have given me that look before they had gone past the window and I couldn't see them anymore. That was my only uh, ask. But yeah, Serge Dungy stiff arm. It's really really cool. Anyway, Bravo on Oregon for for putting uh, Herbert back in at the time that he was supposed uh, that they needed to to keep that game pedal to the metal, get that win. Um, we got a break coming up next. There's one thing that we were concerned about with Oregon that didn't really do much in my opinion to fix that for me. And we'll talk about that next. Plus text your thoughts on the Ducks game to the better you today. Text line at five, five, three, zero five. This is football Sunday on the fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 946 here on your Sunday morning. Talking Oregon, Bowling Green after talk some Oregon State and Ohio State for the first couple of segments. Coming up next after this, I do want to get to the worst trade I've ever seen in the NFL. uh, Thanks to the Oakland Raiders, by the way. And uh, that'll be coming up next. Plus, Hater Lovett's in the next hour at 1030. And we'll try to get into a little bit of UW versus... Auburn there as well, and maybe some other Pac-12 stuff. UCLA lost to Cincinnati, Chip Kelly's debut. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. I wonder how many Duck fans were actually kind of like, you know, kind of rubbing their heads together like Mr. Burns and like, yes, okay, good job. Good job, Cincy. Way to go, Bearcats. But, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe college has passed Chip. You know, it's not – for him to lose to Cincinnati seems a little – a little strange, you know, especially coming from uh, the NFL where he played with or where he where he coached um, top tier talent. You'd think he'd be able to rip a few plays and come back. But I don't know, man. Like, well, you know, it's not, first game. But let's not know, dive so we'll too see. far into that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get to it. But choosing a stiff to be your quarterback, probably not the best best way to start. Well, I mean, he's this was considered a rebuilding year because I mean, he came in and this team is not a Chip Kelly built team. This is not the talent that Chip Kelly would typically recruit to create his team i think there it's supposed to be a transition year and i i from you know what i understand uh ucla is con, is expecting this to be a transition year and not expecting a, a huge tra- bump in their performance from chip this year specifically so the thing i teased before the break was there was one thing that i saw from oregon that i was worried about that did not stop me being worried about it and that was the wide receiver position. We we just didn't know who was going to be able to step out and be a top wide receiver for this Oregon team. And it's not necessary for that player to be a stud. You don't need a guy who's going to catch 15 balls a game, but you need one or two guys who are trustworthy enough that they can, that they can be dominant forces if they need to. Oregon always spreads the ball around. There's always many guys who catch the ball. I, I get that, and it's, that's fine. But the fact that nobody had more than three catches for Oregon, and that was only one player, Dylan Mitchell, and then, frankly, I'm going to say it this way, only two players had more than one catch for Oregon. Dylan Mitchell had three, and Jalen Red had two. 
He had a deep touchdown catch, which was nice. He also dropped a big potential deep touchdown catch in the first drive of the game. Um, it, that concerns me that Justin Herbert only had 10 completions and nobody stood out as someone who was ready to make that big step. If someone made a great play like Jalen Red did, he also had a bad play. Um, there's there's a big concern about the receiver position for me for the Ducks. And I think Justin Herbert is good enough to get past that if it is an issue for the entire season and doesn't resolve itself quickly. But I kind of wanted to see it be resolved yesterday, not in a week or two. And for me, I, watching that game, or at least some of it, that was kind of my big thing. Like, where's the Jeff Mail? Where is the Darren Carrington? Where is the Dwayne Stanford? Like, where are these guys that are big play? Where's the Colt Lyorla? You know what I'm saying? The person that goes out there and just figures out how to make a big play for your team. Farrell Brown, all these guys we've been so used to as far as being playmakers for the Ducks. And outside of Taj Griffin, like, I don't really know which one. And we know Taj Griffin could be a huge deep threat. He's so quick and he's so fast. And so he can be probably your most explosive player, your, um, you know, Tyreek Hill, you know what I'm saying, type guy that just, you know, send, you send him on a fly and just kind of watch him work. But outside of that, you know, Tony Brooks James, you know, who's been there for a while, which feels like for five years now, you know, because he's been there a duck for so long. But, yeah, I'm curious to see, man, who's the guy that's going to step up and say, no, I, I got this. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. One thing to keep in mind is that the transfer they got to Barry Hines did not play. And he could certainly step into that kind of a role when he does play a little bit more often. Um, but so that's just one thing to keep in mind is they didn't have him for the game, despite getting him as a, as a graduate transfer this year. If there's one thing that I, I noticed, receivers were getting enough separation. They were getting open enough. And Herbert was putting him in really good places. And, and granted, some of these drops were, I guess you could say, tough catches, but still were in perfect They're placement by Herbert. Balls. They're totally catchable balls. That's what worried me is that you have these receivers that are obviously talented enough to get some separation and get open and Herbert can find them, but they're dropping them. And that's where, you, you know, Jeff Mail, man, Jeff Mail, like he couldn't make it the ne next level because he wasn't quite fast enough. He couldn't quite get that separation at the next level. But boy, that guy never dropped a ball. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we do need to find if Oregon's going to be a serious contender in the Pac-12 this year, because that is a big red flag when you see that many drop balls. Like I, I don't know how many of his first passes I saw dropped that were just, I, I mean, NFL-type throws, dropping it in the bread basket over the shoulder, and just they couldn't bring it in. And you, and you said it right there, NFL-type throws. Like, the Ducks need to understand right now you have an NFL quarterback. If he decides to leave this year, knocking on wood, um, he probably will be the first or second quarterback taken, you know, off the board this year. So – You've got a guy that made all the right throws at all the right uh, places, and you just got guys that couldn't really, you know, wheel it in. And I think that's the part that's going to hurt the most because you know that Justin Herbert is going to do his part. We saw last year when he was out for those, what was it, four to five games, and the Ducks just couldn't figure it out. And then he came back and was like, oh, okay, that's how you play football. I think Justin Herbert is a special guy, and he masked a lot of the deficiencies that the Ducks have as far as their receiving core. This text says the Ducks don't have a disruptive pass rusher. The Deggie was the Bowling Green quarterback was giving away too much time. I, I mean, they do. His name is Jalen Jelks. He is a disruptive pass rusher. And they did not from him, but from um, 
uh, what's his name, Hollins, force a sack fumble. So they, they did get into the backfield a little bit, but maybe that is just first game jitters. You're not fully ready to go. I don't know. Jalen, Jalen Jelks is amazing and is certainly a disruptive pass rusher. We just didn't see it fully in the game, although he did lead the team in tackles with nine and did have a half a sack as well. Uh, in general, I think what you're saying is the, the Ducks only had four quarterback hurries in the game, just four. That's not good. You need more than one guy to be able to get into the backfield and, and pressure the quarterback. When when defenses play their best, when they don't give up 24 points to Bowling Green, is when they're pressuring the quarterback to make quick throws. And if he had way too much time, yeah, that would explain it right there, that stat. Absolutely. So there's some things that, you know, you, I'll be honest, and this is, this is going to sound weird, I feel much better about uh, what I saw from Oregon State than I do from what I saw from Oregon. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just kind of say that I think if Oregon State plays this same team, I think they win. Um, granted, I think Oregon State is less talented than the Ducks are, but yet and still, as far as moving forward and everything, I like that's going. I think what Oregon State did is going to be able to translate much more than what Oregon kind of did. I, I would agree, except for the fact that I think in college, when you have a great quarterback, that just matters so much more. Things. And Justin Herbert, it, I, I think we all can recognize he is a great quarterback at the college level. Yep. Uh, and I'm excited it, to see him go up against some of the real defenses too. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to give Oregon a chance every week. Now, I think we've noticed also that if Herbert gets injured at all, Oregon is in true trouble. Braxton Burmeister is not the guy. Well, maybe Tyler Shuck can be that guy. That was my thing is, I know he's a true freshman, Shuck, and maybe that's why you put Burmeister in this game, but I, I think I we now know Burmeister's not that good. So We know. we Last year was a tough spot for him. There was a lot of injuries. They basically made the offense like four plays for him. And you're like, okay, maybe he's bad. He's a true freshman. I mean, come on. So it's funny. I think we're just, at that point now. It's funny you say that. We got a text here on the Better You Today text line. Said one thing I don't understand is why Oregon backup quarterbacks are always so bad. And that's I don't understand. You'll get a Marcus Mariota, and then you'll get who was I can't remember who the backup is. Was it Collins? Was it? Uh, oh, it was the. Was it Collins? What was his no? Name? It was the guy who transferred. That's my answer to you. Is any time that you get a starter named, yep. the good backup leaves because he doesn't want to be a backup because Oregon is a good enough school with good enough recruits that you have three or four guys who could be the starter. Or at least you you hope. You and know, then it when one of them doesn't get the job, they leave. Um, it was the guy who went to like southeastern Louisiana or something, and he actually almost got drafted because he had a really good year down there. Um, Brian Bennett, I think his name was. That Brian was name? Bennett. Yeah. There yep. it is. Um, that's it. Yeah, he transferred because he lost the job. Remember, there was the competition. It was him, or is it going to be Mariota? Mariota won it. He left. Jalen Hurts is going to transfer from Alabama. Well, He's going to because he lost the job to Tua yesterday, and Tua played great. And I think that's why Nick Saban is refusing to go choose a quarterback because he understands that he's going he to lose, lose Jalen Hurts if he doesn't play. Well, if he puts Jalen Hurts in there, he's going to lose Tua. Yeah, because Tua is amazing and needs to deserve. He deserves to be starting, and he did yesterday. So uh -huh. I mean, I guess I guess oh, Helfrich. Oh, Helfrich. Could have yeah. had him. Mm, <laughs> I guess. Could have had Tua. Although you got Justin Herbert. So, I mean, tomatoes, tomatoes. But yeah, that's that's why they don't have good backups is because they transfer away. And I wouldn't be surprised if Burmeister, when he gets passed by Shuck, transfers away next year. 
Because Shock will pass him. Yeah, and Burmeister's just not that good. He he needs to go to a lower level school. Yep. Yeah. Needs to. Absolutely. All right. Coming up next, let's get into a little NFL and try to figure out why on earth the Raiders decided to trade Khalil Mack. That's next. This is Football Sunday. Keep texting on the Better You Today text line at 55305 on 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.